Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me today. Much uh, always a pleasure to have you with me. And, you know, today we're going to have several interesting guests. I hope you'll stay with us for the duration. My first guest is Patricia Soldano. And uh, uh, Pat is the president of Family Enterprise USA. Now, if you're a family business, uh, you know how hard it is to start and maintain and transfer a family generation uh, uh, business through the generations. Uh, Family Enterprise USA has a mission of promoting the growth of family businesses in the U.S. Now, in addition, she's founder and president of Policy and Taxation Group that works with national legislators to reform and repeal the gift, estate, and generation skipping taxes. She's principal advisor to the Drucker School Global Family Business Institute and a member of Cal State University Fullerton's Family Business Center, and she facilitates the women's CEO Affinity Group. Oh my gosh, she just does so many so many things for family businesses. I think it's best we just bring her on. Pat, uh, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, Bill, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Pat. It's been a few years since we talked. You came on a couple years ago, and um, a lot a lot changes uh, if in those types of gaps. So I'm very fascinated to hear about the latest Family uh, Enterprise USA 2020. Annual, annual family business survey that has uh, just recently been completed. And to hear more about what you're up to, you do so many things. I don't know how you find the time in the day, but tell us about you and your background and why you're so committed to family businesses. Well, I've worked with family businesses my entire career. I had my own family business. It was a multifamily office. Uh, and, and in that practice, I was introduced to a lot of family businesses. I really believe them. They're very important to this country, and I believe that they need to be represented properly in Washington, D.C., and I, I think that hasn't been the case. There's a lot of trade associations, and they do good work, but they don't represent the issues of the family of the family business. And so as an example, in the survey that we did this year, we asked similar questions that we asked last year, but we asked them questions like, what is their top tax policy? And this year, income tax was at the top of the list, higher, uh, quite a bit higher even than estate tax, which typically is at the top of the list. And I believe that is the case because in the 2017 Tax Act, family businesses got thrown under the bus. And that's part of the reason that I'm more passionate than ever and became president of FEUSA last year, because family businesses are still paying at the income tax levels of individuals, 30 35%. Corporate America gets to pay 21%. And I really believe had family businesses been properly represented in Washington, D.C., they would have gotten a better deal than this marginal tax legislation around pastors. The other thing that is very important to family businesses is in terms of their economic priorities, 
that in that area, estate tax is at the top of the list. And most of them understand that reducing the rate of the tax from 40% to 20% is something that's probably very doable in this political and economic environment. So that was, we asked them, what would you rather have, repeal or reducing the rate? Interestingly enough, they were all smart enough to figure out, well, reducing the rate is something we can actually achieve. So that was at the top of their list with uh, repeal being second and then increasing the exemption, which is already very high. So um, I can tell you lots about this survey. I'm very excited because we asked some new questions this year that we hadn't asked before, like how many years have you been in business? And not a surprise, family businesses plan for uh, multiple, multiple generations. They see their business as a legacy, 88% of them. And so 82% of the family businesses that responded to our survey have been in business longer than 30 years. And I think if we asked how many have been in business 50 years, we've got about almost as high a percent, and we're going to do that next year. The other thing wow. that was very, in, very interesting from this survey, and I'll, I'll end with this one because, as you know, I could talk about the survey forever, is family businesses, we always anecdotally believe that they pay better than non-family businesses. And so we asked them, do you pay better in terms of salary and benefits than your non-family business competition? And 52% of them say, yes, we pay better than our non-family business competition. And once again, we believe that's the case because family businesses see their business as a legacy. They know they have to pay their employees well. They know in order to maintain the business for their family and their employees, they have to give them good benefits and, and give them uh, comfortable salaries. So uh, that's very important information. Legislators really want and need to hear this information. And, and so that's what we do with the survey is we meet with legislators on the Hill. And right now I'm doing that via Zoom with many, many staff members. That's such important work, and I have so many questions. Uh, how long have you been doing this survey at the Family uh, Enterprise USA um, uh, group, I guess? Um, we've been doing it over 10 years, and we over modify it each year based on uh, you know, what we think legislators need to know or want to know or ask us about. Okay, so that takes us through a couple of administrations and a couple of tax policies. And, uh, I, I, you know, one of the big problems I think we're all concerned about is, uh, like you said, estate and income taxes and the effect on the dollar. Uh, and then in the family business that you survey, is there a pretty good uh, mix of industries represented? Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, we have almost all industries represented. At the top of the list tends to be manufacturing. And what is really interesting for most people is, while agriculture is important, um, only 6% of the respondents are in agriculture. And so this is something we need to get legislators to understand is manufacturing operations, real estate, construction, which had the most in terms of the industries that responded to us, they have the same issues that the farmers have. And that is illiquid nature of their assets. So when it comes to the estate tax, once again, they face the same dilemma. How do I pay this tax with liquidity? But when we talk to legislators, they all are worried about family farms. And yet, this isn't a country of family farms anymore. Of course, we have family farms. And of course, they're very important to the economy. But my point here is, it's not what it was 50 years ago. And so we need to understand that these other industries 
are just as important, manufacturing, real estate, machinery, and have that illiquid nature of their asset. And so when we think about legislation, we should be giving them the same kind of treatment that we're giving our family firms. And over the years, over the last 10 years, have you seen any significant changes in the mix of businesses rep- or industries represented? Uh, like you said, uh, agriculture is only 6% now. Uh, I'd be interested to know, you know, what was it 10 years ago in manufacturing the same? Are you seeing any significant trends and changes from manufacturing to, say, service-type businesses? Um, not as much as I would have expected. Uh, so, and, and what has kind of creeped up is healthcare and pharmaceuticals. Um, but agriculture continues to get smaller. Manufacturing seems like it's getting bigger. And then, of course, I think real estate is also somewhat a function of the marketplace. Um, market goes up, it tends to be a bigger percent of the overall respondents. I will say that the people that respond to our survey tend to be, and even more so this year, the medium to large size business owners. And, and in fact, um, 78% of them have over 50 employees and 58% have over 100 employees. Um, 82% of these companies have gross incomes over $6 million on an annual basis. So the reason that's the case is because we use family business centers around the country and we are very, very appreciative to these centers that distribute our survey. And if you think about it, a family business that's going to be part of a family business center tends to be multi-generational, tends to be a little larger, tends to be more complex. So uh, that seems to be increasing. The size of the businesses uh, and the kind of the, the breadth and depth and complexity of their businesses in terms of the people that respond. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I was, wondering, I was asking that because I see a trend in uh, young people coming up into a family business and maybe saying that industry is not attractive or I don't see that industry being relevant into the future. So it's incumbent upon family businesses to either recognize that and, and change with the times or else uh, figure out how they're going to have future leadership in their families. Do you, do you see that as a, a big issue about the, the choice or the availability of a successor for the next generation? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the really interesting facts that we, we learn every year, but it's even more prominent this year, is when we ask them how important is their business to the legacy of the family, 88% say, oh, it's critical. It's very, very important. And then we say, well, okay, so if the, the, the business is your legacy, how many of you have actually passed on the business to the next generation? And 53% of them haven't done that. And so it's disappointing because, as you probably know, you know, they all say, oh, and 89% say it's important to the sustainability of my business, and yet only 53 have actually, uh, 53% of them haven't even done it. My sense of that, and they give us some responses to this, is it's the classic, well, my son's not ready yet, the next generation is too young, I'm not prepared to quit, the timing isn't right for the business, it's kind of excuses. So that's why I think succession planning is always at the top of the list in terms of education events for family business centers and, and other educational organizations that help family businesses is because that is the, the issue they wrestle with. And the next generation usually wants to move in if they have the ability. And many times the stumbling block is not so much how the world is changing, you know, to your point, 
the industries that we say today were very different than they were 100 years ago, it's usually the succession within the family and within that family business. Yeah, and there's another factor, too, of course, that uh, people are living longer. And so these uh, owners that say, I'm not ready yet, may, you know, may be in their 60s, may be uh, getting up there. And the, the successor owners, uh, 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 the successor generation may be in their 40s, 50s, tired of waiting and, and uh, have moved on and created other careers. There's so many different dynamics with regards to that. Uh, the tax issues, Pat, let's talk about that because uh, we're in an environment where we have a, a high, a fairly high exclusion for estate taxes, but that sunsets in 2025, and it may even come down much sooner than that, depending on what happens this November. How, how are you looking at those issues, and what kind of uh, rumblings are you hearing from Washington? Well, I have um, teams in Washington, and I'm in communication with them every day, and uh, I don't think it's any surprise that you know, in, in um, Vice President Biden's proposal, uh, he the one of the first things he's going to do is to eliminate the tax bill that, that President Trump and the Congress put in place in 1718. Uh, and in that, he wants to reduce that exemption substantially. It could go down to $3.5 million from $11 million per person and $22 million per couple. Uh, and he wants to you know, raise the rate back up. And that's what generally the Democrat platform will be uh, if the Democrats take over the Senate. Personally, I believe the, the game of politics is really not about who the president is. It's about the Senate. Uh, and most prognosticators right now say the Senate is probably going to flip and become Democrat. And if that's the case, uh, taxes will be very top of their agenda, probably health care at the very top, and, and taxes being next, and, and it will very likely be undone. And so I really encourage families, if you have not used this $11 million exemption for persons, 22 per couple, you need to do it as quickly as possible because it's a possibility. It could go away next year. And a lot of uh, news uh, reporters are talking also about the Senate eliminating the filibuster rule, which currently requires that, you know, you have 60 votes. Um, if you eliminate the filibuster vote rule, then you only need 51 votes in the Senate and a lot can get done. And while... The president's role is important. Remember that if the House and the Senate pass legislation, yes, it needs to go to the president's desk, but they can also do a veto override. If they have control, they can win on a veto override, and they don't need the president. So, I mean, I think it's unlikely that uh, President Trump would be in office and we'd have a Senate and a House that would be Democrat, um, but, but I just caution people against that. So in tax policy, would change dramatically. We're not gonna, we're not gonna wait until 2025 at the end of 2025, it could happen. It could happen next year. Now, I don't know what the chances are, but again, I really encourage people uh, to do the planning with this gift exemption that's higher than it's been in decades. Now, the things that I'm reading uh, are starting to sound the alarm bells that Congress could also pass something during the year next year to re reduce that exemption and make it retroactive back to the beginning of the year, which ma makes planning now that much more urgent while you have the, the large exemption. Have you heard something similar to that? Yeah, and um, I, I don't really believe that would happen in this sense. I mean, I've worked in D.C. over 25 years now, and it's very, very rare they ever do anything retroactive. So I think it's, it's very difficult to do for lots of reasons, and it's politically not smart either. So I, I sense that they will do it as early as they can, 
And typically, they get their plan in place long before they get in office, and they make things happen in the first three months of the year. So it could be, it could be relatively early, but it's also not an easy thing to do. Um, so I, I think, you know, time will tell. I think it's still way too early for us to understand that. Um, but it's not too early for families to be planning. And this is not an easy thing to do. All these state attorneys are very busy right now. So if you haven't done your planning, call your state attorney. Yeah, good point. Uh, uh, state attorneys would love to hear you say that because they, get, they tend to get uh, really uh, slammed at the, towards the end of the year. And then people say, hey, I think I want to take advantage of that in uh, November and December. And there goes Thanksgiving and Christmas for our poor attorneys. So, uh, Pat, it, the income tax issues you mentioned, um, you know, there were, uh, there were some uh, provisions put in for pass-throughs, as you mentioned earlier. C-Corps are down. How are most of these family businesses set up so that they're not receiving tax benefits? What, can you explain that a little bit further? Yeah, the, the pass-through legislation is pretty, it was pretty watered down, and there were some senators that fought really hard for it, but they weren't a big enough group. So at the end of the day, I think there's some families who are getting some benefit from the pass-through legislation, but it's, it's, it's not really significant. Some, some family businesses, I don't think very many, have flipped and are now become a C-Corp, but that has some complexity and difficulty to it as well. So if most family businesses operate through an S-Corp or an LLC or an LP, and, and those are the pass-through entities that we're talking about that I keep saying got thrown under the bus. Corporate America, uh, which are primarily the public companies or large companies that operate as a C-Corp, you know, they're paying a 21% tax rate. Well, if the tax bill gets undone, that's going to go away as well. That's going to be significantly raised. Um, so once again, I just can't encourage family businesses enough to reach out to their members of Congress, tell them how you feel, explain what you're doing in your business and how this rate affects not only your family, but your employees. because It impacts the bottom line. And the other part of high taxes for family businesses that people forget about is how it affects their community. So in our survey, we asked how many families, how much do you give locally and how much do you give nationally for your philanthropic giving? 70, this year, 77% of family businesses give locally, right? So when that family business has to pay more money in taxes or has to be sold in order to pay the estate tax or has to be downscale to pay the estate tax. Not only does the family suffer, the employees suffer because maybe they'll lose their jobs, but the community suffers dramatically because 77% of that giving that the family gave goes away. And people, you know, the, the, the people don't think about that. Well, the times they are a change in Pat, and uh, you, we're glad that you're checking in with us to let us know what some of those changes and trends happen to be. How can our listeners learn more about you and what you do and uh, uh, maybe uh, take a look at this Family Enterprise USA 2020 annual family business survey? So the survey is on our website. It's also there in audio, so if you want to listen to it, uh, it's familyenterpriseusa.com. It's pretty simple. Uh, there's also some stories of families. Uh, you'll learn what we do in Washington, D.C. We are unique in that we're not a trade association, so we're not unique to any industry. And once again, we represent the issues of the family of the family business. So that's how we're different. We're a national organization. 
we're headquartered in Washington, D.C., and we really, really look to families to support us, not only but financially, by contacting their legislators. So please visit our website. Pat, I took a lot of notes, uh, very interesting information, and I really appreciate the way, the clarity with which you described a lot of these things. We'll have to have you back on and not wait so long before the next interview. It's uh, been fascinating. Thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome, Bill. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 